When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, with early signing day coming up this week, Josh McQuistian joins us to talk about OU recruiting, including the Sooners 2022 recruiting class. We give you the latest updates on OU's coaching staff in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss the biggest CFB news from this week, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 13th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Rivers, Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in December from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play and Riverwind's $60,000 Rudolph's Riches promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you would like to sponsor the podcast, please email Breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, I've been told that we need to, we need to let people know more or let more people know about our YouTube channel. People are like, wait, you guys yeah. have a, yeah, it, it's just a podcast, but you can see us that that's just what it is. It's that's where all the fun is right. <laughs> and, and some of the goofier stuff. Yeah, definitely. So if, if you want to hear the podcast and look at us, just search the Oklahoma breakdown on YouTube. You can find us on there. Okay. Things haven't really slowed down much, man. It's still it's still rolling. We got we got early signing day this week. Boy, man, there's a lot of OU football content. There is, there is. Um, you know, it's been a crazy since we started this podcast. It's been content nonstop. 
within the time we started this podcast, we had like a COVID college football season, which was a once in a lifetime type of crazy deal. Uh, we had Oklahoma announced to the SEC. We've had a head coaching change. We had a, a burglary, armed burglary. It's been nonstop, Gabe. It's been literally nonstop. I forgot about the armed robbery. Man, <laughs> no. that seems like well, forever ago. That's, that's like back page news these days. Oh, okay, let's get to it. Brent Venables. So some people were wondering, man, how do you get a guy to leave a job that he loves where he's getting paid really, really well? Well, you nearly triple his salary. That's how. Uh, details of the contract starting to come out for BV, Ted. Six years, $43.5 million. That is an average of $7.25 million a year. Now it's got incentives just like all other coaching contracts. You know, win the conference, win the national championship, win coach of the year, all that stuff. But that is some serious cash. Remember when we were talking about it, like, hey, maybe it'll be like five and a half, six. Man, it's getting 7.25 a year. Let's go. No, it's pretty good. You know, he's called me meathead for going on 20 years now. So uh, I've started calling him money bags and he didn't appreciate it very much. Uh, got a kick out of that. But I, is as big a money as that is, it's a it's probably three, maybe four million dollars less what Lincoln Riley is going to get paid most without a doubt by USC and probably what Oklahoma was, you know, willing to pay. Like, you know, that this thing caught him by surprise. That is, in in my opinion, because they had new terms of a contract that Lincoln had at least said that he was okay with, right? So my guess is it was big money, and I think this is a bargain. And for because I think the the coaching staff has a chance, a pretty good chance of being better off. I think the football team has a chance of being better off. So whenever you're paying your new coach less than you paid your old coach, and you have a chance of having the same or maybe even better product, I'd say it's end up being a pretty good deal for them. Yeah, and you look at so Jeff Levy uh, was made official since uh, since our last episode. So you look at him getting nearly two million dollars a year, right? We haven't seen the details on that, and we probably won't until the spring. I don't care. He's he's the hottest offense coordinator in the country. You had to pay him what you had to pay him. So you look at it, and it's possible with the leverage that Lincoln had and LSU being after him and USC clearly being after him that you are getting Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby for around the same price, if not less than what they would have been paying Lincoln Riley. I, I think that's safe to say, right? Sure. I, I think it's very safe to say. And the other thing is, is Lebby is going to make what it's going to be a little bit more than what Grinch was making. But we're still in a, in a good situation. Take Clemson, for example. They were paying a – because uh, Dabo was a CEO head coach, they're paying an offensive and a defensive coordinator, you know, huge money, uh, bigger money than anyone else in the country. Like, 
we 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 were able to benefit from it with Lincoln not having a true offensive coordinator, and we're benefiting from that again with Venables not going to have a super high paid defensive coordinator. Yeah, well, we'll get to that because there was uh there was quite the reaction. But one last thing on Levy, we, we talked about it, right? But Josie put a statement out there saying the university did a thorough review, background check, all that stuff. On Levy, uh, talked to his former employers at Ole Miss, UCF, and Baylor, and everything that they were able to gather. You know, everyone spoke very highly of him, and Jeff Levy clearly understands the expectations at Oklahoma. And and I know that that statement won't be good enough for some members of the fan base, but thought it was good that Joe C put that out there. Liked what Levy said, and I, I know that some people just won't be able to move past it. I understand that. But at, at this point, they've addressed it, and I feel like you can move on to all the football stuff now with Jeff Levy. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, whenever whenever coaches make big-time hires like this where they're paying someone nearly $2 million a year and also in the head coaching uh, position, you don't just shoot from the hip. Um, you You do all the research that you can, uh, you know, you hire out a firm that helps in the search. They vet it. They background check it. They call references. They go back through the hist- history very thoroughly, especially in a situation like this. And if Josie comes out of it feeling great about the hire, well, that tells me all I need to know. Um, you know, I've also done a lot of research on it myself, uh, some of the stuff that's out there. And, and I feel good about it. And if Joe C feels good about it, I think people should trust that Joe C is going to vet this thing very, very seriously. Yeah. And there, there, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, if I, I, I'm kind of with you, if it's good with Joe C, he's the best at what he does. Uh, we, we know how cautious and calculated he is. I'm all good with it. And Everyone I've talked to says Jeff Levy is a hell of a guy and a hell of a football coach. So now, now once again, some people won't ever be able to move past his association with Baylor, but we're not going to talk about that anymore on here, right? We can kind of, now it's just all football because we we really just kind of focus on the all football stuff anyways. You're right. Here's the thing. um, and, And you said this a second ago, but the, some people aren't going to be convinced and that's fine. Some people, the people that, you know, have looked into it and made their decision or are, are going to be okay with it. I doubt we're going to convert anyone from one side to the other. You know, it's, I'm with you. You know? Yeah. All right. Okay. Defensive coordinator, Ted roof. And I think it's fair to say the fan base was a little underwhelmed with the name Ted Roof, this is a guy that has bounced around and he once was the head coach at Duke. He has, he was a defensive analyst for Clemson last year. So clearly that's where he got to know Venables, but he's also been the defense coordinator at Vanderbilt, Georgia tech, a couple times, Penn state Auburn, where he was the defensive coordinator for that 2010 national championship team. And he was also the DC at Minnesota. So this is a guy that has been a defensive coordinator a lot of different places. I think one of the reasons that that people are like, okay, 
why has this guy moved around so much, Ted? Like, and a lot of people that understand how coaching works, like, you know, stuff happens. You kind of bounce place to place. The stability that OU has had, the stability that OU fans are used to is not normal. It's not. And now I'm not going to pretend like Ted Roof just has some incredible resume that is going, that should awe the fans, but where I'm at, where I'm at with it is if, if Brent Venables trusts Ted Roof to, to implement his defense, then I'm going to trust Brent Venables, right? That's, uh, I'm going to trust him until he proves me, you know, proves otherwise. Yeah. I, I think that just, uh, just knowing Venables, knowing him really well, and knowing that he's not going to take a head coaching job unless it's absolutely the right job, and he's not going to take a head coaching job and go in and, and rest on whatever accomplishments that he's had throughout his coaching career. It's not the case. Coach Venables is coming here to win a championship. He asked for things uh, to be done in order to help them win a championship or he's not going to come. He has to be able to put together a championship staff. He's not just going to pick a guy that's his buddy to come be his defensive coordinator. He's not going to do that. The the moment is too big. It's his first head coaching job. The most important thing that he's going through right now, this recruiting class is big, but it it pales in comparison to putting together the right coaching staff. That's going to be everything. That's, That's what he's has to be the most focused on right now and or even before he took the job. So I totally trust the hire. I it I think that it also tells you that Venables is going to have a really, really strong hand in this defense. He's probably going to call it. He's probably going to coach it. He's probably going to be the guy. Um, now he's he's got someone there that he trusts to to, to oversee as well. Obviously is there's other things that are going to be on his plate, but there's no way he just makes a, uh, let's bring Ted with us. No way. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just everyone saw the name. We were all like, really? Uh, okay. But my initial reaction was, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and trust BV when it comes to defense. And I was, this is going to sound weird. I was actually a little excited when I saw Ted Roof announced because I had the same reaction to you as you, Ted. I was like, oh, well, that means it's going to be Venable's defense. Yeah. Like, he's going to run it. Because you didn't know if he was going to try to, you know, kind of do what Dabo did, be a little hands-off. with, But, but I was like, nope, he is it, – it's still going to be all him. Not all him, but he is, he is still going to be the guy overseeing – every little detail of what they do defensively. And that's a great thing because he's one of the best guys in the last couple decades at doing that. So I was, I saw the name and I was like, oh my gosh, people are freaking out. I was like, this is a good thing. This means BV is going to be running it. Yeah. I also was like, I feel sorry for that poor bastard because Venables is going to be, if he's this guy's coaching the backers and the defensive coordinator, the head coach, 
is going to be sitting in that guy's meeting room every single day, either coaching it or sitting in the back, chiming in on everything. Old, uh, old Ted Roof is going to be like, I want to go back to being an analyst at Clemson. That's this right. is not fun. No, but yeah, it'll be once again, hey, got to give it a chance. I know a lot of people were critical of it, but I've, we haven't seen the product on the field. You really can't. And I understand that there's a recruiting element to this. And it sounds like Ted Roof is a, sounds like he's a very likable guy. I don't know the guy at all, but I'm not sure he's just going to, you know, be rounding up five stars. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, at, at the end of the day, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, uh, can you coach? Can you put guys – is your defense good? Can you, Are you putting guys into the league? Are you, um, you know, being recognized for playing great defense? If you could do that, you can recruit. You know, guys want to come play for that. And he's got a track record. He's coached some good backers. So, we'll see. Yeah. It is. It's definitely kind of a wait and see situation. All right. I, I don't know how else to ask this other than Ted, what do you know about Thad Turnipseed? Well, very little. I'd never heard of the guy until what was it? Uh, Friday, whenever it first started leaking out that, that maybe he's coming as well. Um, have you ever seen the movie Michael Clayton? I don't think George, so. George Clooney's like a he's like a fixer for a law firm. Okay, yes, I have. It. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, the only thing I could think of is is Thad Turnipseed is Michael Clayton. He's he's the the jack of all trades. He's the behind the scenes uh, scenes guy. Maybe that's a bad reference because I think he's doing some illegal stuff. But I'm just saying, like, he's the guy behind the scenes that, you know, can do everything. Anything you ask. The guy sounds like a fictional character, man. I mean, <laughs> I when you look at, like, the, the descriptions, because I, I went down a rabbit hole. Okay, so it seems like this guy, first of all, the name sounds fake. Let's just fad turnip seed that. That sounds fake. That is a witness protection name if I've ever heard one. There <laughs> is no doubt. But when when Venables took the job, we had mentioned that one of the things he, he, he wanted assurances with was expanding the recruiting department significantly, right? That is, that is something that he had to have if he was going to take the job. And it seems like turnip seed – is the guy that is going to be leading that charge because he, he was the director of player development and external affairs for Clemson. He was at Bama before he was at Clemson. And it sounds like it sounds like this guy's like a Jedi or something. I mean, it's just you you start reading some of these stories at, at Bama. It sounds like anything Nick Saban needed done behind the scenes, like this guy got it done. He was the guy doing it, whether it was, you know, facility upgrades, upgrading the stadium. Uh, I think he designed a recruiting room in Nick Saban's house. I think I read that in one article, like, and then at Clemson, he basically built out their recruiting department 
and and that includes how they evaluate players. Like he took what they were doing at Bama, brought it to Clemson. I guess he also got Clemson like really into digital content and how to use that in recruiting. He helped design their football complex. Like the guy, who is this guy, bro? Well, did you hear? So uh, Josh Helmer, who works at um, the ref with me, he writes, uh, I think it's Sooner Wire for USA Today. And he wrote an article on it and it was awesome. And I guess the story goes, he was he was a teammate with uh, Dabo at, at Alabama back in the day. And they were doing some like big upgrades to the facilities and they were going around asking for donations, asking alumni and stuff. And they came and asked him and I guess he had a construction company. He's like, I can't give you any money, but I can build it for you. And that's kind of how he ended up getting in the mix with what was going on with the athletic department. And I guess it just grew from there. Pretty cool. This, well, hopefully this sorcerer can can do some really good stuff for us, man. I mean, this guy sounds, I mean, he sounds like a fake person, right? He sounds like if you want to win a championship, he better work for your football team or else you're not going to win one. Turnip seed. Bad. <laughs> get me turnip, turnip seed. seed. I mean, what a name. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys, out of all the stuff that happened this week at OU football, what, what got you fired up the most? And Ted, these, these responses were, were pretty interesting. And this one came from Scott Brooking on Twitter. He said, there's really only one answer that matters. It's the amount of adrenaline that this hire has given this program, fan base, and most importantly, former players. As a fan, you can get excited for any number of reasons, but players, they get it. To see them this excited is awesome. Yeah, I I agree. I think that you know, I, I, we, we plateaued under Lincoln and we had hit a, a spot where we were kind of in the same rut. It wasn't a bad rut, but you know, it, it really wasn't developing into anything else. Uh, all of a sudden he announces he's gone. Everyone's like, what the hell just happened? And then Venables is the top candidate. It just feels like every Sooner fan that had just kind of gone quiet or wasn't that interested anymore. Everyone just totally all of a sudden bought back in a hundred percent on OU football. It's been really fun to watch. Yeah. And this, this other one comes from at Braden YouTube on Twitter. He said, the most exciting thing is the real possibility that we might end up in the top 10 for recruiting because of the work this staff has put in this week. Two biggest prospects being Jaden Gibson and Nick Evers. It seems like they've been racking up the miles on the dull jet there, Ted. Like, and anyone that knows Venables, that guy has more energy than any other human being on the planet. Like, he's not going to stop either. No, I, he's not. That's just how he goes. It's how he operates. You know, he's one of those guys that has to be doing something anyways, you know? So might as well be uh, recruiting, coaching football, uh, something to do with the program. So no, dude, they're, they're on it. They're, they're out there. They're making moves. Now, I don't know if they're going to get back into the top 10, I guess we'll see, but they're going to have some really good football players in. I, I feel good about some of the stuff I know they're chasing down 
even though it may not be as far as stars are concerned, some of the highest stuff out there, but there's still some good diamonds in the rough out there for sure that they're chasing. Yeah, and and that's why we've got our boy Josh McQuistian from Soonerscoop.com to talk a little recruiting with signing day coming up on Wednesday. But, Ted, before we get to that, it's birthday shout-outs time. Let's go. Let's go. Happy fifth birthday to Torin Gilmore. Five. What a to, – to be five again. What an age. I know it. Amazing. Happy birthday. Happy 33rd birthday to J.C. Casey. All the way out in Charlotte. What's up, J.C.? Happy birthday. Charlotte. Happy birthday. That's awesome. Happy 26th birthday to Grant Fate. That's a great last name, Fate. Grant Fate, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Michelle Salas in Allen, Texas. Yeah, getting it down in Texas. I like that. Happy birthday, Michelle. And happy 18th anniversary to Jennifer and Marshall McIntyre. I will say, it was this was probably the most emotional shout out we've ever gotten. They lost their like 14 year old. Uh, I can't remember if it was a daughter or son. I'm sorry, but they like put it in the description and everything and like their birthdays in December too. So like shout out to you, the McIntyre stay strong guys. You're the best. Awesome. Uh, Awesome. Happy anniversary to the McIntyre's 18 years strong. That's great. All right, let's get to Josh. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is loves travel stops. Loves has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Loves has you covered when it comes to road trip. They've got everything. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh fruit, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oakland with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, here's Josh McQuistian. It is our pleasure to be joined by the heartbeat of Soonerscoop.com. No one over at that website does more work, more true, meaningful work than this man. Josh McQuistian is in the house. What's going on, man? Guys, good to be here. You know, I, I know obviously Eddie Eddie preceded me with a golf take, so you know that uh, that that was a a strong podcast. I don't think I can follow suit, but I'll do what I can. Yeah, Eddie's Eddie's tough to follow, but I think you'll do just fine, right? You'll do fine. 
<laughs> you, you you just can't even try. Don't even try to keep up with that dude. No, he's in his own lane. <laughs> he he definitely is. But hey, it's a big week, right? And this yeah. is kind of what you guys as Sooner Scoop kind of thrive when when it comes to early signing day. And let's just start here, Josh. You you talk to recruit recruits, you know, as much as anyone, like other than the coaches, right? With the relationships that you've developed over the years. Like you were doing this when I was getting recruited. And you know, <laughs> you and I, we had a good relationship through that process. But what in your opinion, what has the impact of Lincoln Riley leaving kind of meant to this recruiting class for Oklahoma? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking ground to say it's it's huge. I mean, that really, it there was so much momentum, and I think when you talk about some of the storylines that that Oklahoma always gets, you know, labeled with, and you guys are more familiar with them than even I am. You know, the oh, they they can't win up front; they're not going to get the elite guys. This class felt like the one that could have changed that. You had a commitment from Gabe Dindy, a big time guy from the southeast. Derek Moore, I think, is one of the most underappreciated pass rushers. Jamar Kane did a great job with him. Then you throw on that Jamar Kane was probably going to land Marvin Jones Jr., um, a guy that moved into the five-star range for us at Rivals this last week. I, I mean, it's hard to say what this class could have done. I think this probably could have been Lincoln Riley's best class from top to bottom if everything hadn't come apart. Now, at the same time, I'm fairly impressed with some of the guys in the class with how they navigated this and handled it. A lot of guys, you know, some guys did jump ship, but a lot of guys kind of, you know, when they were, they didn't have to, I mean, they're high school guys. They could have went their separate ways, taken a lot of other options and they kind of put their flag in the sand and said, no, this is, we're, we're part of this class. This means something to us. We want to stick it out. How typical is this? You know, we don't have a lot of head coaching changes, right? It's, it's a rarity around here. So whenever this happens, it's, it's kind of a, a, a new thing for everyone, but it, this is, is this uh, typical for head coaching changes? Have we seen about what usually happens? Have we seen more people jump ship? Have we seen less than typically jump ship? Like how does this transition kind of rank with what you typically see out there? I think it's been a little more than you normally see just because, like you said, it's so jarring. I mean, these kids committed to not just Lincoln Riley, but the brand of Oklahoma and the consistency that's been there, you know, with Bob Stoops, Lincoln. There's there's just been even when there was change, we all know there's been easy, consistent. I mean, easy. um, Oh, continuity from point A to point B. It's never had they've never really seen a shakeup of things. And I think that is one of those things that kids bought into you know they they knew what was going to be there and to watch this all just turn so quickly I think that really upset the apple cart more than maybe you see with some other guys so I think that is a big part of it um but again at the same time I I don't think it's that far outside the norm I know you fans will feel differently about that but I I think they're rebounding well and I, I I you know what I hear and I know we'll get into this a little bit but from everybody I talked to that's met with Brent Venables, and obviously he hit the road really hard, um, he's impressed everybody. I mean, there's a lot of people that I think thought they were done with Oklahoma and kind of are like, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I really do still buy into what's going on there. So, Josh, looking at looking at Lincoln's reputation as a recruiter, 
and, and then looking at Brent Venable's reputation as a recruiter, right? But you know, Lincoln, he's moved on. So what is what is kind of BV's reputation uh, among you know the prospects that you talk to, the coaches that you've talked to over the years? Like, is he a guy that is known as being just one of the you know top level recruiters in college football? He really is, and that that's one of those things. Like, get, I I don't I don't know if annoyed is the right word for it, but I mean, Teddy, obviously, you know very well, and Gabe, I know you were around him as well. BV is impossible not to connect with. Brent Brent is just that kind of personality. You're drawn to him. He's so likable. He's kind of one of those guys. You know, we talked about it in our pod. Like, you feel like you're the only guy in the room. He he can really have that kind of connectivity with people, and I know talking to coaches and players, not only do they like him in that way, but they trust him. You know, if, if he says something, it's true. And I, I think a really good example, I brought up Gabe Dindy earlier. I think we all know, you know, and I, I, I tweeted something out and it kind of, I ended up having to pull it back, but Gabe Dindy almost certainly would have stayed with his Oklahoma commitment. If he kept Calvin, if Brent Venables would have elected to keep Calvin Thibodeau, he elected not to do so. And a lot of coaches would have, even if they would have said, I'm going to keep Calvin for a year. I'm going to get Gabe Dindy. I'm going to reel him in. He's going to be part of this team. And then in a year, I'm going to change my mind. He could have done that. And he didn't do it. And I, I think while, you know, you can like that decision, not like it, whatever, you have to respect it. It's honest. It, it's a real, like, this is what we want to do. This is our plan. And we're going to stick to it. We're not going to let one recruit dictate our decisions. And I think that's a, that's commendable. And I think coaches notice that even if, you know, if it's their guy, they don't love that that's the way it played out for Gabe or whoever else, but they do like that he is a very honest and respected guy. He, The people that will tell you, oh, he's not the recruiter Lincoln Riley is, he absolutely is. It's just in a different way. Lincoln's going to get you with flash, and he's going to sell you on all the offense and those kind of things, and that's fine, and that's clearly got its place, and he's had success with it. Brent is going to do it more, I want you to trust me, I want you to believe in us. Like, it, it's more of a brotherly fatherly however you want to say that there's a lot more uh, i guess real connection between the player and the family and the the coach teddy is muted and asking you a question and he looks like an <laughs> idiot and i'm leaving it in and the people on youtube are gonna oh love my it. gosh oh i'm sorry about that um just that that it, what you were talking about right there kind of ties into something i've been wondering I I know it was a good class before the chaos started. But what do you think Venables thinks of a lot of the players in that class, the commitments, the offers that they have out there? Because you're talking about really two totally different styles of football, at least what we expect to some to degree. So, like, do you think maybe that factors in? Like, I know Dendy's a five-star defensive lineman, and anyone wants a five-star defensive lineman on their on their roster, but is there a chance that, you know, some of those guys that he just wasn't as big on, maybe? Well, you have a point, I guess, to a point. Like, with Gabe Dendy, I know they wanted Gabe to play inside at Clemson. That, that was kind of the hang-up. And why Gabe never got that involved with Clemson because they wanted him to kind of play as, you know, a, again, just as an inside player, kind of that three-tech idea. Gabe, I think, sees himself a little farther outside. And I think that's what Oklahoma, under the previous staff, had sold him on. He was going to be more of that Isaiah Thomas. You know, he could slide inside some, but 
you know, I mean, obviously you guys know it better than me. So that, that role was where he had kind of been recruited to. And that's what he liked. I think when Brent showed up at Oklahoma, he was still okay with it because he had the relationship with some of the staff, but it was a concern. And I think, again, Brent was honest. He just, you know, this is where we see you. This is what we think you're going to do. And that's just not how Gabe saw himself. So like, I, I, I think you're right. I think there are definitely some differences um, because there are some guys in this class that are, uh, you know, there were times when I felt like Oklahoma was so dogmatic about they have to be a certain height. They have to run a certain 40. They have to be these things. And don't get me wrong. I'm a recruiting guy. Like I'm into all that. You know, I want the physical skill set. I believe in all of that. But at the same time, there has to be some allowance for okay, he may be an inch shorter than our ideal, but he is a great football player. And I, I don't know that that was always the case. So I, the thing I will say is I haven't seen anybody he didn't go pursue. Anybody in this class where he said, no, you know, we're just going to we're gonna move in a separate direction. That may be because of need. They just can't at this point replace those guys with similarly talented players that do fit exactly what they want. But – it seems like for the most part, they did like what was there, even if maybe it's not exactly how, like you said, they, not what they would have picked out of the grocery store, so to speak. Josh and uh, Teddy, I, Teddy and I have talked about this a lot, but when you look at this class, do you think OU is doing a good enough job, right? And I know stuff has got crazy, has gotten crazy with, with what has happened uh, with the coaching changes, but do you think OU is doing enough good at, at keeping the Oklahoma kids here, right? Because that, that's something that all three of us has talked, have talked about in the past is they, they need to keep the best players in the state here in Oklahoma. And they need to, they need to be wearing OU on their helmet. Do you, do you look at this class and think that, you know, mission accomplished or is there still some work to be done there? I think there's still work to be done, guys. I mean, there are, you know, uh, I, last year I was having a conversation with people that there's no way Colin Oliver shouldn't be a Norman. I, I just didn't believe that. And I know they landed Clayton Smith and there's a similar role for those two guys, but you've got really talented players in your state. It's it's just dangerous. I think at times it can hurt you when you're recruiting out of state because a kid can say, well, why, you know, why aren't you getting that guy from Oklahoma? Why didn't you get Trace Ford? Why didn't you get Colin Oliver? And again, I, I want to be clear. I think the misses that are at an Oklahoma level that can help Oklahoma win football games at the level they want to win are few and far between. So the argument, you know, I talk to Oklahoma high school coaches that'll tell you, oh, there's 10, 12 guys every year. No, I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Are there six or seven? Yeah, I think you could make that case in a lot of years. So um, and, you know, there are certain years like 2006 with Bradford, McCoy and Gresham. There was like eight guys in that class that absolutely were Oklahoma level. And I think they signed 11 that year, if I remember right, from in-state. It was just a historically good class. Um, so that exists. But I do think you're seeing a clear turn in that where a good example is Chris McClellan at Owasso. Oklahoma had moved on from him. And I, I don't think it was unjustified. I'm not going to pretend that I think that was way off, but at the same time, almost immediately upon Brent Venables' arrival, Oklahoma kind of reopened that conversation and said, hey, let's let's revisit this and kind of see. And then we all saw yesterday Oklahoma offers Deshaun Brown from Choctaw. 
um, a guy that I, I love. Uh, he, to me, he's kind of this year's Colin Oliver where, yeah, kind of like what I was just saying. Yeah, okay, maybe he's not 6'5 and doesn't have arms for days or whatever. But, man, all that dude does is make plays. And this is a guy that was 230, 240 pounds as a high school kind of going into his junior season. He's now about 6'3", about 260, and his body is just changing. I mean, it looks like a guy that can help them. And I, I think Oklahoma's done right to kind of see if they can swing him and turn his head a little bit. Yeah, and I don't know if – that's a one-year thing, like you come in and it's like we've got only a small amount of time. We've got to get out there and maybe we'd have some of the best luck with the local guys. Um, but what what has been the word that you're hearing out there with with Lebby as offensive coordinator, with Roof as defensive coordinator, obviously Venables, and then retaining the offensive staff? Like, What are you hearing out there as far as not just – not just players that were committed in this class or were like close that some of the guys that we were chasing, but I know these guys also have recruits that they were looking at wherever they were before. So what have you heard as far as some of those players following them over? And that that's where it gets interesting, Teddy, because you've got guys um, probably the most notable example. And I mean, <laughs> You talk about a guy from the Brent Venables playbook, a small-town Kansas guy that was going to Clemson. I mean, like, if he's not Taylor May, a linebacker, no less, talk about Taylor May for Brent Venables to recruit that dude. And he's like a 10, 500-meter guy. Then Jared Kanak, um, just a, a you know top-shelf athlete, and was a guy that was committed to Clemson for a long time, gave Oklahoma a very partial look early on. The thing is, is no one is quite clear if Brent Venables is going to recruit anybody away from Clemson. You know, there's obviously a lot of feelings about how Lincoln Riley has handled that. And I I think there is such a respect between Dabo and Brent that maybe he chooses not to go that direction. Maybe he says, you know, I'm just not going to recruit against my friend, my, you know, former boss, all that kind of stuff. Now, where it gets, and I, I honestly, I think that's where it does come out because I've really seen nothing to tell me otherwise. Where it gets interesting is when these guys start decommitting. I mean, you know, OU fans can feel they had a rough week last week. Clemson lost three top 100 defensive commitments in a matter of like three days. I mean, they, they, they took some hits after Brent took the job. And I haven't seen anything that tells me Oklahoma's really moved in that direction, but uh, you know, once they're on the market, I don't know how, you know, at some point you're, you're hurting yourself with your own valor. Like, I mean, you know, they want to come, go, they yeah. want to come, you know, exactly. I mean, even if, and if you're Dabo, like I'd rather have them go play for Brent than, you know, come to go to Georgia and I've got to, you know, deal with recruiting against their next teammates and all that stuff. I'd rather them be farther away from me. I, I you know, it's how I would see that, but I guess to each their own. Um, but yeah, like you've got guys like that. Um, Keon Sab is one of the guys from IMG Academy. He decommitted. Um, uh, the the one that's really uh, kind of drawn a lot of interest is Jihad Campbell, a big time pass rusher. Again, another IMG Academy guy. They're both northeastern guys, but pretty clearly, especially in Campbell's case, he was big into Clemson because of Brent Venables, and that's what you hear from a lot of guys, like there were guys, you know, not connected to OU or Clemson that have kind of said, well, you know, I, I don't know what OU was doing beforehand, but it's almost like it's turned on its head. I don't know what OU is going to be on offense under Jeff Levy quite yet, 
for some of these recruits is the way they look at it. But defensively, that's Brent Venables. Like, yeah, I'll go play for him. You know, it's it's just a very different mindset from what we've heard where OU was having to sell their defense for years and years and years. And now the offense is actually getting a lot more honest look. Uh, excuse me, the, the defense is getting a lot more honest look. Okay, looking looking at this class, and I'm sure some things are going to uh, change between now and Wednesday, but uh, I know how you guys do it. You always have a couple of guys that you just like more than the others when you're looking at who's committed for Oklahoma right now. So, Josh, who are a couple of your favorite guys in this class? Uh, the, the one that jumps out to me, and, I, you know, I've just I, – I, I, Gabe, you know, I mean, and anybody that, <laughs> that listens to me talk, I love offensive linemen. And Jake Taylor, the big guy from Bishop Gorman, um, that's a guy I know talking to some people. They're, they would love him to be an early enrollee. They, they feel like he's a talented enough guy, comes from a big-time program, very much used to not only – you know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> and you guys would know better than me, and it's very current – he doesn't know what he's going to get into with Jerry Jerry Schmidt by any stretch of the imagination, but he does under you know like he's been in a big time weight program as far as a high school is concerned. He's done those things, um, played great competition. Gorman plays you know the best from all over the country, and I know there were <laughs> there were some that were almost hoping Nevada would for the second straight year not have a high school season because there was talk he was going to transfer to a school where he could graduate at midterm and then be at Oklahoma. Obviously that didn't happen. Gorman wins a state championship. You know, the rest is kind of history. Uh, he, that he is among my favorites. Um, it's so funny trying to go through the list and think of who's still on board. Um, uh, Kip, Kip Lewis is another one that I, you know, uh, Carrie and I were talking about this the other day when, you know, we watched Brent at camp for years and years and years you kind of get this thing in your head, like that's a Brent guy. That's a Brent linebacker. And that's when you watch Kip Lewis, who's about 6'2", 205, runs forever, kind of almost looks like a strong, like a big, strong safety now. I mean, you know, years ago, he he might have been more of a Roy Williams than a linebacker, but he's that kind of guy. And he is – you don't see a guy all that often on, on the defensive side of the ball – kind of drag his team to a state title, but that's almost what he did last year. And Carthage was very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But he made so many plays basically from the quarters to the finals in Texas, the Texas state playoffs last year that it, it just, he kind of went from, I think he had two offers when the playoffs started to like 30 by the time the finals were done. He just kind of exploded all at once. Um, but yeah, he's a guy like a lot. I, I like, I, again, I, I think it's clear. I liked this class. I still like a lot of the pieces in it. Um, it lost some of the star power, uh, you know, Relique Brown, Gabe Dindy, some of those guys, but there's a lot of good, you know, recruiting jargon here. A lot of good value in this class. There's a lot of three stars that I think have upside. Um, Jaden Rowe at Union is another guy. I mean, Guys, this guy is six two and a half, six three, two hundred pounds. Plays corner. I mean, and runs like a ten four. Like this, he's uh, again recruiting nerd like me. That he's checking the boxes. I mean, you're just going down the list. Okay, I, I don't need to. He he gets off the bus first. He's going to be the you know the state champion in the hundred meter. Like all those things. Yep, yep, yep. That all works. So, um, and he's like I said, big long athlete. There, there's a lot to like there. Um, and, you know, of course, a guy like Gentry Williams, probably the top-rated guy in this class right now. B- 
big time speed. Um, it's a guy that I, you know, it's going to need some time. I think people assume Gentry being the recruit he is is just going to walk in. Gentry hasn't played a lot of football due to injuries and other stuff, but there is, um, I can, you know, long winded answer as always for me, but really like the pieces in this class. How about uh, the Salchuk kid, the running back? Uh, he's still locked in, I think. Um, mm-hmm. How has that gone? Obviously, DeMarco being able to stay on staff is huge. But this system that's coming in, you know, just talking with Lebby and, and having watched it, this is a running back's dream. So what's been the response out there at the running back position? I know Salchuk is still listed as committed probably going to get a couple of transfer guys as well, but it's a thin position right now as far as on roster at the University of Oklahoma. What's the response been out there so far from running backs? It's been really strong. Um, and I, I, I've got to give Gavin Sawchuk credit. Probably the best I've ever seen at saying I'm solid with the school. He tweets out the gif from um, oh the, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, Wolf of Wall Street. The, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I mean, he literally, he didn't edit it for mom and dad. Like, it's the real speech. And you're just like, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so it, it was, he just nailed it perfectly. But yeah, I mean, he is a, another guy, you know, big time track guy, like, a, you know, he, he competes indoor 60 meter, all the stuff. So he's uh, a legitimate, you know, borderline like U.S. track type guy. He, he really has that kind of speed. Um, went and had a chance to see him earlier this year, but he's, he loves DeMarco. I mean, like I, I was talking to, um, one of the assistants at Valor Christian and they basically, you know, Valor's never had anybody that didn't go to the big 10 or the PAC 12. I mean, uh, of a large level for those that don't know, Valor is the same school that Christian McCaffrey came from. So, um, and, and the whole McCaffrey family went there. So, um, you know, he's obviously, they know what great running backs look like at Valor. And he was a guy that, um, when he, when OU offered, everybody kind of thought, oh, well, you know, whatever. And then they started looking at who OU had on staff. And it was almost instant, like, well, once we knew DeMarco Murray was involved, like it was going to be really tough to beat Oklahoma. And, you know, the the offense is a huge part of this, guys. But DeMarco Murray, I, I, you know, from for a guy like me that watches it closely, I don't think there was anybody I was more impressed with how they handled all the chaos where I felt like maybe some were kind of like, what are we doing? We're kind of shell shocked, you know, and it's understandable too. It's a, it's a completely reasonable reaction. DeMarco Murray felt like he went to war. Like we're, we're going to go, we're going to keep everybody. He had guys that were committed to him that didn't know who their head coach was going to be. Didn't know who their offensive coordinator was going to be. They were basically like, as long as DeMarco Murray's there, I'm in, you know, like there was, there was just a real steadfast um, response from his guys. Uh, DeAndre Moore, 2023 guy that's committed from Los Angeles. It's teammates with two of the guys that have already flipped to USC. He tweeted out, no, nah, man, I've wanted to go there since I was seven. Long as DeMarco's there, I'm in. You know, like it was that kind of just certainty in their words. So I I don't think Gavin is any risk. And I, like I said, I, I agree completely with Teddy that like you talk about a guy that could fit this with what they want to do and some of their run stuff. I mean, you give that dude a lane and it's it's over. I mean, he really – he'll run. I don't care if we're talking SEC speed or whatever you want to say. He'll run with anybody. Okay, looking – you know, looking at these next couple of days and obviously when Wednesday comes around, who are 
who are a couple of the big time recruits that OU's in a battle for, right? And, and maybe some of the some of the guys you think OU could possibly win those battles for. I think the um, the first two that really jump out are Nick Evers, the quarterback who we've talked about. Jeff Levy, Nick Evers was Jeff Levy's first real recruiting action. I mean, he he I, I've talked about it. He must have set up his visit, walked like sent that tweet that hey goodbye old Miss, put on his OU shirt and walked into the kid's house because I know when he was supposed to be in the house, I saw the timestamp on the tweet. Like there's there's no way there was more than five minutes between him being on the threshold of that door and that tweet being sent out. Like it, it was real tight. And I from what I've heard from this weekend, Oklahoma knocked it out of the park with Nick Evers. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me if I, I'm, I'm almost watching Twitter out of the side of my eye, worrying that something might happen with him at any moment. So like, it, it feels like it's that imminent, um, with he in Oklahoma, I think they've done a good job there. His teammate, uh, not his teammate, his good friend, former Florida commitment, Jaden Gibson, uh, also came in this weekend. I never a bad sign when a guy that has decommitted about two days before and is on official visit to your school tweets out. Yeah. I'm still going to sign on signing day three days from now. Like that, that seems like a pretty good omen. And he's the, he's the number seven wide receiver in the country. Uh, you know, a top 60 guy overall, like th- this is a, he would be the highest rated guy in Oklahoma's class. The second he commits uh, as far as that class stands right now. So would be a huge win for Oklahoma to close on somebody like him this late on in the game. Um, but I, I, like I said, I think they've done a great job. Recruiting Nick Evers is going to help a lot. And, um, you know, beyond that, probably the most interesting battle that we know exists right now. There's going to be a few things I think emerge. Uh, I, mean, I mentioned the Jaron Canick situation. We'll see what happens there. I think that could be very interesting over the next three days. But the one that we know is there is Kobe McKenzie, the longtime linebacker that loved Brian Odom. I mean, I think it really broke his heart when he knew Brian Odom wasn't going to be his coach. Uh, basically committed to Texas almost simultaneously with Brent Venables being in the air on his way to Norman. So I think he kind of thought uh, he was one of the guys I mentioned earlier, but I think thought the door had closed and then, Oh, you talked him into letting him come in, meet him, meet his family. And everybody just loved Venables. I mean, you know, and as a linebacker, not a lot of guys you'd rather play for. So um, I, I think, I think there's a really good chance there. I, his family is pretty clearly on board with Oklahoma now. It's just about him being of the mind because they're they're very adamant that this is his choice. We're going to let him do whatever he wants to do. So you've, you've got to watch that side of it a little bit, but it sure seems like it's good for Oklahoma right now. Now, you've got the early signing period, which is closing in on us really quickly. But it's not the only one. You can still sign at the the traditional signing period at a later date. You know, we've had massive jobs come open and change head coaches this year, and there's still stuff happening out there. Is is this going to push more people to that traditional signing day than we've seen, or is everything still just gearing up to get it done in the early period? I know a lot of these kids are – wanting to be early arrivals. So maybe that, that changes things, but have more than uh, we've seen in recent years pushed it back. I don't think there's any question. You're going to see a lot more. I, I think when you, 
our two rankings metrics are the Rivals 100 and the Rivals 250. In a normal year of the top 250 guys, I would say 85 to 90% sign in that early period. I mean, it's it's that unanimous um, or I guess near unanimous. But with this, I, I think you're going to see more like 60% sign. I, I think there's going to be a lot of really good players out there. And I tweeted about it when this was going on and with, you had Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame and all these other things. There was a chance where Oklahoma – because they were going to have more spots than some other people, maybe they could take advantage of it in a few cases where, okay, you know, some schools can't take a guy because they just, they've hit their 85. They can't go into that road or, you know, they want to save three or four spots for the transfer portal or whatever it may be. These Oklahoma can get more aggressive. I mean, they, they have 12 commitments right now. They've got all the room in the world to do whatever they wanted to. And they have a big outgoing senior class. So there was a lot of flexibility and how they could handle that. I, I think you're absolutely going to see more guys sign in February. And honestly, from a bigger picture, I think you're going to see this could be the year that we look back in four or five years that killed the December signing period because of the way it's forcing coaches to, to I mean, you know, whatever you want to say about Lincoln Riley, he's not wrong. And that, that there was never going to be, no matter what year it was, there was not a good time to do it. Like he was going to, it was, if you leave after the season, you're instantly putting a recruiting class in danger, putting a program, you know, kind of in a, in a tough spot where they've got to go hire a guy in a week. And, you know, luckily Oklahoma had a connection with a guy like Brent Venables where they could find such a great replacement so quickly. But, uh, you know, when you talk about schools like Notre Dame, you know, LSU, Oklahoma, all these big programs, Florida, that have had to go through these changes and have to do it in such a rapid pace because of that early signing period. I think that's the kind of power structure that can move things. I, I, and no offense to, you know, group of five or anything like that. Those schools, when they get rated every year, nobody bats an eye. The big money programs, they are the ones, you know, you guys know it. They can change things and say, hey, this is – We've got to look at this, maybe a late July signing period or something like that. Or you could do, you know, I know you guys have had Andy Staples on. Like he talks about an opening, just sign whenever you want to sign past a certain point. You could do it that way. I mean, there's a lot of answers that I think are more manageable that make more sense for everybody within the college football structure than this December period. Josh, you're the man. I know it's going to be a couple of uh, eventful days for you, but luckily, I don't think the website has crashed. Uh, you, you, we, we held you, we kept you a little long, so hopefully, uh, that thing just hadn't fallen fallen apart. Oh, there, there will be angry rabble, but as soon as they hear I'm on with you guys, it will buy me a little bit of street cred. I'll be okay for a little while, but no, there's, there's literally never enough information. It is, it's always wanting more. And like I said, I keep watching the, the, my Twitter timeline. I've tried not to look at it too much, but it, it's just that time of year where it, something could break at literally any minute. Well, I, I'm sure you'll be on top of it, man. Thanks for the time. Hey, anytime guys. I know it's it, it it has been a an interesting time for OU recruiting, but it seems like they're still putting together a pretty good class. Who knows? Who knows what can happen over the next couple of days?
No, it's going to be wild. Um, you know, they're, they're clawing their way back. It sounds like on some of the guys that decommitted right out of the gate with, with Lincoln leaving and sounds like they're in on some pretty good recruits, uh, that have decommitted elsewhere as well. So who knows what could happen? I think they're like 22, 21, 22 right now. And I don't know if they could get up inside the top 15. That would be impressive. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the national college football roundup, but first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offering and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors, to manage risk, purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here. But does that really matter? Because it's always hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that's Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop L Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors, like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, Bryce Young won the Heisman. Uh, no shocker, he received 83% of all possible points, got 684 first-place votes, and I also think he may have set the record for number of people thanked in an acceptance speech. And it was great. It, it was great, and that, that was cool. It was cool. He thanked everyone from his parents uh, to his offensive line, smart man, to the nutrition staff, and Bama, Ted, this man thanked everyone. But now, I will say, I'm not sure who these people are that he says have been doubting him. I don't know who those people are. He was like, wasn't he the, one of the top recruits in the country from a massive high school in California? He's playing quarterback at Bama. Like, I don't know who the Bryce Young haters are, but hey, whatever keeps that man motivated, more power to him. It's, it's kind of like the Jordan thing, right? But we knew he was going to win it, but it, it's still cool to see a young man had that moment and uh, there's no doubt Bryce Young deserved it and he looked good. I like the jacket. The jacket was nice. Yeah. It, it's weird that in a season where maybe three quarters or maybe even more seven eighths of the way through it, we're saying like, I don't know who's going to win the Heisman. Like no one's jumped out there and kind of taken the thing. It's so weird to go from, not knowing who's going to win it to we're absolutely 100% sure who's going to win it in just one weekend, right? With one game. It's pretty, pretty amazing how that weekend just took an uncertain situation with Ohio state and, and all those different things and uh, just whoop, done. We know who it is. Yeah. And I think it, it says a lot about the reputation that Georgia's defense had built up yep. and then, Bryce Young dicing him up the way that he did. Yeah, and I will say this, man. 
shout out to Bryce Young and his dad for the outfit coordination. And <laughs> I mean, both went turtleneck, both went with the fancy sneakers with no socks looked at like coordination is key. That is that's a that is a smart just that you talk about a bond between father and son. Like, hey, my son got baptized this weekend and I was like, "You know what? I got to coordinate the fit just like Bryce Young and his dad. Come on." Smart, really smart, looks good. Um they could pull that off though. Like that's not that look is not for everyone. You you could pull it off. What? You look great. Me and my dad Me and my dad could not pull that off. Okay? We would look horrible. I I will say this and I love you. You know that your neck is entirely too big to wear a turtleneck. <laughs> like you got to have a scrawny pencil neck like I've got now to rock a turtleneck. That thick tree trunk you've got to call it call it a neck. I do they even make I mean, turtlenecks? You would like you would pass out. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't do the turtleneck thing. Okay, the other the other funny stuff from the Heisman show uh, Tim Tebow trying to be funny is just, oh, man. What was that? Listen, Aiden Hutchinson, that was funny. Like, that was funny. He's taking shots at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud is standing there. You know, Hutchinson's letting him know what's what. Like, it, it's all in good fun. And then Tebow had to go and make it awkward. Like, he just had to do it. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I, it's tough, you know, telling a joke to kind of cut the tension in the room is always a great, it's the best technique there is, but it comes with risk, right? If you tell the joke and it's not funny, it's just, it's so bad. Tebow's just, he's just not funny, right? He's a lot of things. Like I, <laughs> I like Tim Tebow. He's, he is not known for his comedic timing. Like that's just, that's not his thing. No, not his thing, but nah, I thought I thought it was pretty cool, though. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is just a monstrosity of a human, but it did make me mad that Will Anderson wasn't there. Should have yeah, been there. Do you, you see the thing? Like, if it would have been the old way that they would do it, like it was close enough, he would have been a finalist and he would have been there. Why, why is it four now? What, what's wrong with I having five guys? I don't know. They probably, who knows? I, I don't know. That's stupid. Uh, last yeah. thing, last observation. Uh, RG3 made an OU joke, and I, I don't think anyone could hear it. I, it was like, I didn't see that. It was like a Lincoln Riley joke, too. I, I, but uh, once again, the delivery, not <laughs> tremendous. Not <laughs> tremendous. But I don't know. It was really awkward because none of these guys had played OU like he tried to work it in I I don't know it was odd it was very odd but that is that is weird to to hit a Lincoln Riley reference in a room full of guys that that didn't even play against him it I ever I I doubt any of those guys ever have that's yeah no and I was I I think even the guys were confused they're like wow okay that was weird, <laughs> but uh, last observation, CJ Stroud and Kenny Pickett are a lot bigger than Bryce Young. So maybe, maybe that's what he was saying. Like people saying I'm too small. Like I'm not big enough. Well, he's like, well, you did look kind of small next to the other guys. So maybe he's got a point. Yeah. You know, and we've seen both Baker and Kyler aren't 
your typical prototypical quarterbacks as far as size wise either. So it's not like it's not like a small quarterback winning the Heisman is a new thing either, he, you know? He he's not shattering the glass ceiling for short quarterbacks to win the Heisman trophy. Right. Right. That's so I don't know. Hey, you're right though. The Jordan reference is the right thing. You you just no matter what someone says, you just got to find a way to make him a villain. Yeah, you got to find that shit, man. However, right. you got to motivate yourself. Whatever. Hey, more power to you, Bryce Young. Congratulations. Heisman Trophy winner forever. Can never take it from him. First Alabama quarterback to win a Heisman. Isn't that impossible to believe? It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. But yeah, I double checked it and triple checked it. I was like, there's no way that's true. There's no way. And well, They've even had a quarterback complete like 80% of his passes on a season and have like 50 touchdowns and three interceptions. And that guy didn't win it. He won a national championship. but didn't win the Heisman. Yeah. This was crazy. Did, but there was, there was one FBS game this weekend, Ted, and it was, it's a good one. I mean, it's a good one every single year. Army, Navy, obviously all of, you know, all of the pageantry around the game is just absolutely spectacular. But I hate the triple option. So when the game actually starts, I'm just like, oh, here we go. Oh, my gosh. But whoever bet the under, congratulations. Easiest bet in all of sports is the academies uh, just taking the under, and you can live with it. Not a shocker whatsoever that the under hit, but there actually were – I was sitting up in my chair a little bit. I was like, okay, we're getting some big passing plays from, from Army and Navy. All right. But there's only one play to talk about from this game. Fourth and one on Navy's own about 35 in the fourth quarter. And Navy fakes a punt. And Diego Fago, who is a linebacker for them, big looking dude. Like that is not a guy you want to mess with, right? No. Like, I, he seems like a guy that can kill a person with his bare hands. And I mean that very complimentary. He's like, like probably what, 5'11", 240 pounds, just like just gigantic. Like, he's like the last human being you would want to get in a bar fight with. Like that guy, <laughs> no that's the one. But, oh, that's funny. But they fake the punt. He, he catches the direct snap. He breaks the tackle, goes and gets a first down, a little hurdle at the end. Like just a massive play in the game, but after the game, Fago said he wasn't expecting the snap, that the ball just got snapped to him. And then Ken Niamatololo, the Navy's coach, said it was a mistake, that they got lucky. What? I, I mean, did the deep snapper just yank it that far left? I was, did he go rogue? Like, what? What? I, I watched it, like, probably 10 times. And there's they, the review, the clip that I was watching didn't have like it had the straight behind angle, but you, I couldn't see good enough like what exactly was happening, like if he did it on purpose or not. But the crazy thing is, is after he snaps it and it flies over to the left, and the dude, like how he caught that was impressive if he didn't know it was coming to him. But the deep snapper, like, stands up and just starts walking. I don't know like if he thought that he just fired it like out of bounds or what, but he just stands up and, and is walking. 
Like he's not blocking like it's a fake or anything. It's the strangest thing. I have no idea. Great play though. First down. Maybe he had a few a few dollars on army. I I, I don't know. <laughs> what was crazy. that? Crazy. I don't know. I've never seen that before. Good thing shout they got out it. To, shout out to Fago's reflexes. I mean, that was a hell of a snag. And then yeah. to go make a play, but how does that happen? He's like, I mean, from the deep snapper's view back to the punter, he's probably like seven or eight feet over to the left, right? It's pretty it, far. It's like one of the, if I, has anyone talked to the deep snapper? We need to talk to him because <laughs> that's one of the worst was, snaps I've ever seen. And it's like to the left, like not only is he offline, but it was to the left of the, the guy that caught it. You, you know what he looked like? You know a, a catcher in softball when the pitcher throws a rise ball and it gets away from him a little bit and like they catch it as it's rising? They're like, whoa. But yes. <laughs> that's, exactly that's exactly what it looked what like. Wow. Amazing. I don't know. I, but you're right. We need to know more. We need to figure out the saga. What, what exactly went on there? Someone talked to that damn deep snapper. I need, I need some details. Okay, last thing that we want to hit here. Dan Lanning. Hired at Oregon. Now, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution said he was leaving Georgia to take the Oregon job on Friday. But then Oregon and numerous reporters and even landings people, they're like, uh, no, like that that has not happened yet. But then it, I, I will give the AJC some credit. They never backed off of it. They left the tweet up. It stayed up. And they're like, hey, we uh, believe in what we do. And they were right because on Saturday, Dan Lanning was the new head coach at Oregon. And it's interesting because he's, I was confused by what Kirby Smart said, Ted, because he said that Dan Lanning is going to coach for Georgia in the college football playoff. But he said Georgia will be moving forward with co-defensive coordinators, one of them being Will Muschamp. So does that mean Lanning is calling the defense or is he not? Because they, to me, that means he's not going to call it. I don't know. That's a good question. I, 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 and maybe this is wrong, but I took it as he's once he's gone, then they'll have co DCs, but that See, could be that, wrong. That's how some people interpret it. They're like, then they will move forward with co-DCs. But when you look at the quote from Kirby, it just says moving forward. Like he didn't say, hey, Dan Landy's going to be calling the defense. Yeah. So he I, didn't say whenever whenever we're done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. You're so, probably right. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, once again, we need to talk. We need more details here. But, I mean, would you want a guy that is – recruiting for another school right now and i know signing day is going to come and go but would you want that guy who's got his mind like he's trying to run another program i'm not sure i'd want that guy calling my defense even though he is really really good like there's no doubt that's a good question but the other option is will Muschamp. so eh. here's the thing the best possible outcome for lanny like 
he's not going to be able to like really be out and hit recruiting, right? He's going to be calling recruits and stuff. The best thing for him in recruiting for Oregon is to win a championship for Georgia. That's kind of a weird thing to say, but I mean, I would trust knowing that that's the situation. I would trust that he's fully vested in trying to win a championship, but no, I mean, you do have to, to a part of you feel like dude's already got his huge paycheck. Does, is he really all the way in? So yeah, I don't know. I guess I guarantee that'll be blamed. One of the factors if they lose. Right. I, I guess it's, it's very similar to Steve Sarkeesian last year, right? Going to take the Texas job, but still there calling the offense for Bama. So I guess it's no different than that, but I don't know. I will say this landing 35 years old and he's taken over a roster there at Oregon. I looked it up number nine in the 24 seven sports talent composite. So they got players and USC still is down. So I, I, I expect Oregon to be pretty damn good next year. And it seems like people really, really like Dan Lanning. I, I, I don't mind going opposite of the crowd here. I think it's going to be a disaster. Ooh. One of like my biggest problem whenever Lanning's name was in the mix here is the, like, like I said earlier, the most important thing you do as a head coach is put your staff together. Like who can you put together on your staff that, you know, through all of your years of experience is going to put you and your team in the best position. Right. Lanning hasn't been around long enough, in my opinion, to be able to put together like a home run staff. Like, he's, he's, he's done good things at Georgia, and I don't want to minimize that, but he's only been at Georgia for a very small amount of time, and his, his role has expanded since he's been there, but I don't know. I think it's way too early. Given his track record, I think it's way too early. Well, we'll see. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Softrock of OKC specializes in customized, slip-resistant, decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Softrock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence 
With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I had to go with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, um, they, uh, they get the win, and he sets the all-time completions record, 7,156 completions. That goes with also the um, uh passing touchdowns record and the yards passing record that he also owns. Uh, he's got them all, man. He's got pretty much every record in the books. Him and him and Drew Brees were going back and forth for, it seems like five or six years, like almost, you know, a couple times a season, but um, he's going to own those for a long time, probably for eternity. If you ask me, cause there's no signs of slowing down. Pretty impressive what Tom Brady's done. A guy that started in the NFL before before I got to college and is still playing, let's see, 12 years after I retired (laughs) from the NFL. (laughs) It is. Dude, he's 44 years old. It's crazy. It's insane. I... I read this earlier, and I mentioned it on the broadcast. He's beaten the Bills 10 times in a row. Jeez. Just remember, if you're the Bills, right, Tom Brady leaves. He's out of the AFC East. Like, you're you're free of him. And nope, you know, the stars align. Bills get get the Bucks this year, and he, he beats you again for the 10th time in a row. And it, it it was a bad one too. So they went back to back ass kickings by the Patriots and Tom Brady because they lost to the Patriots last week, right? In the yeah. wind game. <laughs> that game was just, I mean, <laughs> Mac Jones I played threw in, it three times. I played in a game, I'm telling you, identical to that whenever I was in Buffalo in 2008 against the Patriots. Same exact, the wind was blow. it was like 20 degrees and the wind was blowing in gusts of like 75 miles an hour. It was insane. Brutal. That sounds like a ton of fun. I will say <laughs> at least, hey, the Bills did lose to Dom Brady and the Bucks, but it, at least it went to overtime. Like it was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that makes him feel any better. Doubtful. Doubtful. Buffalo's hit a rough patch, man. They're seven and six now. Brutal. Yeah, we'll see. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with Urban Meyer. They get shut out today, and the look on his face whenever he was walking across the field to uh, shake hands with, you know, uh, a former Ohio State Buckeye and a guy that was on his staff there. uh, Vrabel, he looked as miserable as you could possibly be. Uh, 
Jacksonville's now two and 11. Uh, Trevor Lords threw four interceptions. I, it is a total disaster. It sounds like the team hates him there. <laughs> so uh, the guy looks absolutely miserable and it's not going to get any better. He'll be fired. There's no way he makes it to next season, right? I I can't imagine. Do you see the thing? Do you see the story out there where he's like getting after his coach's staff, calling them all losers? He was like, I'm a winner, y'all are losers. And like, tell me when you've won. Like they're going through resumes. Like well, it sounds like an awful, awful work environment right now with Jacksonville. It does. One of the questions post game was. You know, whenever you look at your offensive line and how much they're getting paid, it just it doesn't look like they're living up to their their salaries. And he just goes, "Yeah, <laughs> that was it." <laughs> awesome. Oh, have, have, yeah. have we talked There's about no way his he's practices? There's no way he's coaching them next year, right? No way. Okay. They're hating. Have we talked about their practices? Yeah, the like competition stuff. Where there's a guy on a microphone saying uh, Joe Smith is a winner. Steve Smith is a loser. (laughs) It's the funniest thing ever. And they did it. I don't know if they're still doing it during the season there, but they started off the year doing it. It's crazy. They, uh, it it doesn't seem like the the buy-in has been created. And it's because they don't win. I mean, that's that's where you get the buy-in to all that bullshit, and Whew. he's gone, man. I wonder what – I don't know what his buyout is, but Tom's got to pay it and just say, all right, get out of here, man. I, I can't do it. I would have had a hard time in that meeting where he calls everyone losers. You're all losers. I'm a winner. What if you won? I would have gone, Coach – you're two and eleven. You're a loser too. <laughs> you know we are all <laughs> losers. You've you've won nothing in the NFL, pal. Ooh, I Urban Meyer seems like a guy that if you call him pal to his face, he's not going to respond positively to that. Well, he's also the guy where. Um, I would call him pal, hope, hoping to get that response out of him. You know, like he does he not seem like just the biggest jerk ever? I I've never liked his face. I've always <laughs> I, I've given him respect. Right. I think he's one of the best college coaches. Right. right. I mean, hey, national championships are national championships. And he's won more than a lot of people have. But yeah, I. I, it's not like guys that have played for him speak highly of the guy. Like it, it, it sounds like being around that dude is miserable. He's got to have, like, he he's, is he the most disliked football coach in both college and pro right now? Is Adam Gase still coaching somewhere? <laughs> I think he's a coordinator somewhere. I, I think he's a coordinator somewhere whose offense is killing it right now. That wouldn't surprise remember. me, like, but no, he's definitely, yeah, I, I feel like he's definitely on the, he's number one on the dislike coaching rankings right now, for sure. Has to be. And he's been there for a while now. 
The only time he came off the list over the last several years is the year whenever he was working for Fox and he wasn't coaching. <laughs> he, he, he was able to get off the list then. He was really good at Fox. I will. He was. I'll, I'll give he him. was. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones lineage single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones baby blue corn whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones pot still bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year round. In 2012, Balcones single malt won the best in glass competition beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, Ted, for my winner of the weekend, a little Formula One talk. Okay, do you want to guess what happened? I'll let you guess. Uh, uh, you could tell me, but here's the, here's the funny thing about this. I haven't watched one second of formula one also. Well, I, I have a few seconds. I haven't watched the whole race, but whenever I saw it scroll past and it said Max Verstappen, I was like, Oh yeah, I kind of knew that. I thought it'd be him or Lewis Hamilton. Like I'm a F1 guy, you know what I'm saying? So there's probably a bunch of Oklahoma breakdown uh, listeners out there that saw the same thing. or like, ah, we figured figured it's going to be Verstappen. (laughs) But I bet you didn't think it was going to be as controversial as it was. Okay. I don't know. After last week, whenever, you know, we had that weird wreck. This uh, dude, this was, and once again, I don't, I don't have a great grasp of all the rules, but a bunch of people that follow Formula One for a living were big mad about everything that happened. Yeah, so Max Verstappen wins the the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, but Ted, it was like, I I don't want to say, I I never want to accuse something of being rigged, right? Because I don't think that happens, but it did seem like the racing officials kind of handed it to Verstappen. It, It was... Very weird, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know all the rules when it comes to the safety car. All I know is what I've been able to read over the last several hours, and it seems like Lewis Hamilton got absolutely screwed. And, I I mean, Hamilton, first of all, Hamilton wins the race and championship if the Latifi guy doesn't crash with like five or six laps to go which is what brought the safety car out. Like there was no way Verstappen was going to catch him. And then you got to remember Verstappen had a teammate that was actually like Hamilton's teammate, Botas. He's leaving, he's leaving Mercedes. So maybe he just didn't care that much in this one, Ted, but Verstappen was getting helped by his teammate throughout the race and Hamilton wasn't. So it was like everything was working against Hamilton in this thing. And then Christian Horner. Oh my gosh. He's like the GM of uh, of red bull dude i gotta give that guy some credit this guy is world class ted when it comes to bitching oh my (laughs) god 
He's just going after the race officials, the FIA. Like it, it was. So what? Ha- tell me what happened. I'm. You've got me. I'm like bought in. I want to okay. know what happened in this. So it, it, as I understand it, and maybe some, I don't know how many avid F1 listeners we have, but it is okay. So there was a wreck, right? Right. And and Hamilton was in first, and Verstappen was behind him, right? And there's a safety it's second. Call. No, no, there's cars in between them that have been lapped, but he is in second technically. Yes. Okay. I believe. Yeah. So there's cars in between them though. And I guess the rule is like those lap cars aren't supposed to be able to pass the safety car. So there's supposed to be space, right? Like, so Verstappen wouldn't been able to get up behind him. Like and get close. Does that make sense? Yes. But for whatever reason, they just kind of changed the rules during the race. They let him go. And he got pass. right up behind him and he was on new tires and they did like one lap. It was any first half and passed him on the last lap of the race, dude. It was dramatic as hell, but he was on new tires and Lewis Hamilton was on more worn tires. And it was just like, he went right by him and went what it would dude. It was all I know. That, it was, once again, I could sound like an idiot, the way I just explained, it. I think I explained it properly to you, but no, that's, that sounds great. Here's what I'm saying though. You're in a tough spot. If you're F1, it's like, this is a dream. We got one verse two for a five lap sprint to win the cup. Let's let him pass those other cars. Let's go. Let's drag race this thing. And it really was one lap, like one lap. It was just one lap. It was just, dude, and you could hear the Horner guy and that he was like, we just need one race and lap. That's all we need. And I, this is all you need to know. At one point, the guy that's running Red Bull was like, we need a miracle. <laughs> and, and everything went wrong for Lewis Hamilton. And he ended up losing, which the guy oh wins. I mean, he's won more race than anyone ever. So like, you know, but it, in the end, it was, it was a, like Lewis Hamilton got screwed, but. That, that was the right decision to make for television, like I, for the drama. I wonder if Mercedes will always wonder, like, hey, if we would have got him some new tires, like what would have happened? Who knows? Mm. I mean, who knows, Dad? That was good. Uh, I, I'm i going to end up – I probably explained that so wrong, and people that <laughs> have been watching it for years are going to be like, hey, you're an idiot. If anyone knows anything, please tell us in the mentions. <laughs> yeah, if you watch on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> YouTube comments. There you go. Okay, but my winner of the week. Wow, we went off on it. There, that was the that was by I know, far but, the most Formula One we've talked. But that was a good story. You, I was, I was invested. It was. I'm telling you, it was dramatic. Like it was like last lap. Here we go. But one guy, it was the one guy's car was so much faster than the other. Just went right by him. I was like, oh, okay. But uh, my winner of the weekend, man. OU men's basketball. Let's go. Arkansas Crazy. comes to Tulsa unbeaten and walked out of there with a big 22 point L hold that L hogs. Wow. Bunch of Arkansas fans. Uh, they're watching too. You knew they were coming with that chest sticking out top 10, uh, basketball team. Yeah. Maybe you guys will be good. You, you guys will get back there one day and you just hand it to them. You got to love that dude. It, I love the way they choke you out on defense, man. It's fun to watch. Porter Moser's boys, the intensity, 
right? Especially on the defensive end. But I really liked, and I watched pretty much every second of the game, I, the balanced scoring attack from them on the offensive end, right? Now, they shot ridiculously well from the three. From three. They're not going to do that all the time, right? But they can still lean on their defense. And that that's going to... That's going to have them in so many games, especially in Big 12 play. You you look at what Harkless did, you know, leading the way with 21, but all five starters in double figures thought Goldwire was really good. That that dude is a good-looking athlete, by the way. he is. Gibson doing what he always does, shooting the ball well. Groves, I mean, he's quickly become a fan favorite. Hill is one of the more improved players I've seen in the country. Like, ooh. Do we have do we have a um, do we have a law firm going on here? Goldwire, Gibson, Groves, and Hill. I like that. It's just like the Georgia running backs. That's right. We've but got a bit of a firm that leaves going. Harkless out, and he just might be this team's best player. So yeah. we'll, we'll 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 decide maybe a few more games in because I feel like a law firm. It can't be more than four names, right? If you get the five names, no. then it's like yeah, mm, it's I don't know. E- Too many yeah. cooks in the kitchen, you know. Four right. is is the limit. So. We'll see who is worthy of uh, of being up there for the uh, the OU men's basketball law firm. But I love Harkless. He's got to be on there. I'm telling you, I I still, every time I watch him play basketball, would love to see that kid on the football field. No but doubt. Arkansas, they just couldn't match OU's intensity. And I thought it was uh, – I thought what they did on defense really kind of fueled what they did on offense. There was so much energy. And, and be okay for that one. The team just looked really confident. Uh, seems like they're really starting to believe in one each, in each other, man. And they, and it's not like Arkansas didn't come back in the game, right? I mean, they come charging back and with 10 minutes to go, it's like a three point game and OU just beats their ass the last 10 minutes of the game. I mean, beats their ass so badly that Eric Musselman threw a little hissy fit and got <laughs> tossed. And I will say this, Ted. The Arkansas assistant coaches, that was elite technique when it comes to being the get back guy. Like that. And by the way, that ref kind of looked like he wanted the smoke. Like he kept walking to him. I was like, oh, are we about to, like, are we about Let's to get see it. ref coach? Let's get it. Yeah. He was, he was not scared of the must bus, but that was, that's a hell of a win for Porter Moser and that team. And they're, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. So, did you actually break down and watch some basketball this weekend? Is that what I'm understanding here? I watched some basketball. I've, I've, the Sooners have sucked me in a little bit earlier than, than my Christmas starting day, opening day for basketball. Um, they've got me cheating a little bit. They're fun. Defense is back at Oklahoma, baby. Uh, football, basketball. It is a bit ironic that if Brent Venables was, what, 6'3"? How tall do you think? Uh, um, Moser. Oh gosh. Yeah. How do, how tall you think Moser is? Six. He's six yeah, three, he's, right? Yeah, he's a little shorter than me. Like, yeah, yeah I'd say he's in between me and you. If Venables w- was about six three, that's what he would look like. So, there's it's no doubt that they're playing great defense. It's awesome. I think it's fun to watch, man. And this- just like he always said. Well, yeah, we're good at defense, but a lot of people don't recognize what we've done offensively. Uh, they were great on offense too, man. When they're hitting shots, they are really tough to beat. This is a conversation for maybe like a June or July 
episode of the pod, but I wondered, like, if you're talking about men's basketball coach and head football coach, if I would take Venables and Moser over any other combo in the country in a fight. That's a good conversation for the offseason. Don't, don't, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Okay. But it, it, it's something to think about. Put it in your memory bank. Put it in that big brain of yours. I got it. All right. For my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Zion Williamson. Man, uh, Ted, I know you're not dialed into the NBA right now, but seems like they're shutting him down from basketball activities. Uh, he had surgery on his foot, got it surgically repaired, right? And has been experiencing soreness in his rehab. It's just, it's just a bummer, man. It's just a, I just want to see the guy play basketball, but he's just got to take better care, care of his body, man. It's, I, I, I don't want him to be the biggest bust of my lifetime, right? Like I really enjoy watching Zion Williamson play basketball, but now you're talking about knee injuries, foot injuries, like two surgeries already, man. Adding up, man. There, there's no doubt that what, what, like when I first saw him, he was in high school. That is like, oh my god, like this guy is is something else. And you saw him the year at Duke. But I, towards the end of that Duke run, you know, I started having the thoughts. It's like, you know, this guy, I worry about his conditioning and because some of that was starting to leak out and stuff. And man, I, he's going to, it's going to be a more difficult fight. The more surgeries you have and the older you get, it's not going to get any easier. It's going to become way more difficult. That's what really worries me. Yeah. I, I think we're all just hoping that he can get in shape and then have a long, healthy career, but it's, it's really just not seem and like, that's how it's going to go for him. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I hope he gets right, man, but man, yeah. it is, it's not looking good, but my loser of the weekend speaking, speaking of not looking good, the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm sorry, plank, man. Uh, I'm sorry, but you show up division game. And, and you're on one, right? You're on edge. You're talking trash. You've got confidence. I'm all for it, right? Fully support that. Now, even though it was kind of Bush League that the Chiefs were already in their locker room, but the Raiders are like, hey, we're standing on the logo at Arrowhead. We're setting the tone. We're here to bully this team. Here we go. And then you get your ass smoked. <laughs> After doing all that, I mean, 48 to nine. I mean, what, what was that? Come on, Raiders. Dead. It's, it's like the guy that gets out there and starts talking trash, like at a fight is like the loud one, like pushing everything. And then someone just goes and knocks him out and it's over. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's basically what happened, right? First play of the game of I mean, fumble from Josh Jacobs, scoop and score. Touchdown oh Chiefs. And, these teams, these teams started playing in 1960, and this is the largest margin of victory ever. I mean, that that is that's how bad this was. And I mean, the Raider, the Raiders, what they fumbled like four times. They had dropped passes. One of the drops led to an interception for Carr. They couldn't protect Derek Carr very well at times. Like. The Chiefs offense with Mahomes, they put together some really nice drives against the Raiders defense. 
Mahomes was rock solid. Hell, Josh Gordon even scored a touchdown in this game. Ted, I mean, this was an absolute beatdown by the Chiefs. Shouldn't have stood on the logo, boys. No, I hey, I'm glad that the rivalry is alive and well. I am, but man, that's I like that they just kept kept scoring. Just keep scoring. You're gonna you're gonna stomp the logo. We're just gonna continue to uh, to. I mean, even though they didn't really have to try, but we're gonna we're gonna put some points up there and have you remember this one. That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh, it was so bad. CBS turned it off. <laughs> They were like, nope, See you guys, you guys have seen enough. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll go back to red zone. Oh, that's great. That's it was, you know, sometimes it'd be like that. And on that note, episode 172 in the books, we'll have a new podcast. that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from two to six on 94, seven, the ref. And you can hear me from three to five on Sirius X and big 12 radio channel 375. Hope you all have a great week until next time. We appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.